All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Tuesday, July 27, 2021, and this week's Torah portion is Akef, which means because or the heel, as we discussed yesterday, which is kind of cool how that works out. Okay, so yesterday we talked about, just very briefly, Moses, again, addressing the people, telling them that if they listen, if they follow orders, if they follow directives, if they keep their end of the deal, God will keep his end of the deal and things will, be gl- things will be good. They'll have plenty of physical blessings and spiritual blessings and peace, prosperity and serenity and security in the land of Israel. All that good stuff. Okay, so that was yesterday in a nutshell. Hey, Ray. I have a follow-up question. About yes, that. sure. Okay, so, you know, you spoke about the two verses where it said, you know, several times in the Torah, you know, God says... Uh, there'll be many generations. Fruit, you'll be fruitful and multiply. Yes. As one of the blessings. And then you, but on the other hand, also we see several times, um, you'll be a small people. And Good. Also, yesterday, you, when it came to specifics, you'll be fertile, you pointed out the reality of the world. And, you know, you mentioned infertility. And then there's miscarriage where, the baby actually dies. Right. And, and and then also the decision of whether to try again, which might put a baby and the mother at risk, which I know we've spoken about that the mother, the, the woman is not obligated to do that. So, you know, it's very complicated, very emotional. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thanks for, thanks for you know, mentioning this and bringing this up. So I think a few things. So number one... Um, the blessing that Moses is giving the people is a blessing that of Jewish continuity. And there's two, there's two dimensions of Jewish continuity. Number one is that the message, the Jewish message and the Jewish faith gets passed down from one generation to the other. But on a more elementary level, Jewish continuity is affected and created by the fact that there are more generations of Jews, that there's a next generation physically, biologically, of Jewish people to carry the torch. So there's really two elements. There's the physical element of it and the spiritual element of it. So when we speak about Jewish continuity, number one, it's having another generation. And number two, it's instilling within that generation Jewish values and ethos and, 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 and wisdom and inspiration, etc. So with that being said, Moses... I, my understanding from yesterday's uh, reading, Moses is saying that if, if the people keep their end of the deal, God will ensure the physical element of it. I don't think God promises the spiritual part of it. I don't think God promises that you just have kids and I will magically ensure that everyone remains committed. That's pretty much where free choice comes in. That's where educators come in and parents come in and children come in and human beings with free choice come in. So God doesn't promise that. Moses cannot promise that. But what there, there is a promise is that there will be a next generation. At the same time, as you correctly mentioned, there is this idea um, that, Jew, that the Jews are the fewest of the nations. Um, and that's told in Torah itself. In fact, last week's Torah portion. It says, you are the fewest. Nonetheless, God shows you, not because you're the most numerous, but rather because of, of other reasons, because he loves you, etc., so how do we juxtapose the idea of being few and the idea of multiplying? My understanding is 
that although there's a blessing that there will be more generations, there's enough to keep on going, but it's still going to be the minority. Jews are not going to be the majority. Maybe when Mashiach comes, we'll see. But it's not going to be a majority um, position. As far as on an individual level, I mean, that's something that God is, God is in control of. That's something that we're not in control of. When it comes to blessings, individual blessings of, of related to health, and, and, and you mentioned fertility and childbearing, that's something that is solely in God's hands. And that's one of the, you know, one of the, the mysteries of, of the divine, that we don't know why this would happen or that would happen. And we, we pray for good health and we, we pray for the blessings that we, that we want and need. But ultimately, God is, is in control. And, um, and we believe also at the same time, as we've had in many other classes, that, that even if one doesn't have physical offspring, one can have spiritual offspring. And, one of, and there are many different levels of that. And one, one level is people that one has influenced. They are considered to be one's children. There's another element of this as well, which are that our good deeds are, are our offspring. It says that every mitzvah that we do is like uh, uh, something good that we've brought into the world, life that we've created, positive life that we've created. And in this way, all of us can, um, can be part of this this uh, revolution of bringing light and life on either literal or figurative level into the world. Um, okay, okay. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to, to, to elaborate on that and to address some Can important issues. Yes, of course. This is about yesterday. Yeah. Um, you said, I think that there are seven foods in that category. So, yes. But I have something that isn't a food. Uh, you said wheat, barley, um, figs, oil, honey, bread. Um, I can't read. Oh, and then you have benching. Yeah, benching is not one of the one of the seven. Right. Yeah. Did, so the seven, the seven um, off of my memory are. Um, we have what are the seven? The seven are. Eight honey. Date, Hold on. Let's let's see if we get this. So wheat, barley, barley. grapes, Grape. olives, Grape. figs, pomegranates, and dates. Oh. Or date honey. Too. Right when it says right when it says honey, so it's a reference to to dates that produce the honey. That's so it, it's not even though it says honey, it's referring to date honey, and then it's referring more specifically. Or more generally, to the dates themselves, as the as as the, I don't know if it's the seventh, but one of the seven of the special figs foods. Figs are not one of them, or are which ones? Figs. figs. Oh yeah, 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 figs. Yeah, figs. Figs should be in there. So maybe maybe there's a different list. So then we would have to adjust it. Wheat. Huh? I'll get the list. Okay. Perfect. All right. Donna's on it. Good. All right. Listen. Working, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Okay, let me share my screen and let's jump into the second reading. We are up to reading number two, although it's Tuesday and so it's associated with reading number three. We are up to reading number two, so let's begin. Deuteronomy chapter eight, verse number 11. Here we go, Moses speaks to the people once more, again in his final words before his passing. Beware. 
that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments, His ordinances, and His statutes. Again, all three categories of mitzvot, which I command you this day. In other words, be careful not to forget what God wants you to do. Lest, listen to this, lest you eat and be sated, build and build good houses and dwell therein. All sounds good, by the way. And your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold increases and all that you have increases. And, and here's where it gets not good. Your heart grows haughty and you forget the Lord your God. This is the lest, right? Beware. What does it mean to beware? Beware. Be careful. You might eat and be satisfied, build good houses, lots of animals, lots of money, lots of possessions. And then arrogance, haughtiness, your heart will grow haughty and you forget the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 15. Lest you forget God who led you through that great and awesome desert in which were snakes, vipers, and scorpions, and drought where there was no water, who brought water for you out of solid rock, right? Remember Moses hit the rock? Who fed you with mud in the desert, which your forefathers did not know, in order to afflict you and in order to test you, to benefit you in the end. And you're going to forget all this. Lest, beware, Moses says, be careful. Lest this become your narrative. Don't let this become your story. What story? The story that you go into Israel, wildly successful, and you completely forget about your humble roots. You completely forget about where you came from. You completely forget about God who brought you all of this tremendous blessing. And you will say to yourself, if you walk down this path, this will be the next part of the problem. You will say to yourself, My strength and the might of my hand is that has accumulated this wealth for me. In other words, I did this on my own. There's a phrase for this in the United States of America. It's called a self-made man or a self-made woman or a self-made human being, right? A self-made person. Rags to riches. I had nothing, and look what I've accomplished. And who gets the credit? Me, of course. Moses says, let this not become your narrative. Don't, don't let this become your story. That, yeah, we had nothing, and then by, by our own grit and perseverance and tenacity of spirit, we've created this beautiful oasis in the desert. Sound familiar? Yeah? Look at this. Jewish, we talk about Israel in these terms. That's, where, that's the reference here. Israel, Jewish ingenuity. Look what it's done to create a beautiful land of Israel in the middle of a desert. It's amazing. And what about God? What about God? No credit? Right? Oh, God, yeah, there's a God somewhere. But, but look what we've done. Moses says, don't be that person that says, forget about God. Look what I did. That is ego speaking, that is haughtiness, that is the most important thing is it's not true. Why is it not true? Because God is the one who blesses us. As Moses continues in the very next verse, verse 18. Don't say this, rather, you must remember the Lord your God. And why? Here we go. Ki hu For it is he that gives you the strength to make wealth. 
Everything that you did on your own, so to speak, everything that, look what I did, look what I accomplished, look how successful I am, look at what we built up in this land out of nothing. All of that stuff, that ability you got from God. Well, I mean, the very life, the fact that we live comes from God. God is the one who gives you and I the koach, the strength, the energy, the ability, the possibility to make that wealth, to become successful. In order, let's continue, in order, verse 18, in order to establish his covenant, which he swore to your forefathers as it is this day. Why did God give you the ability to become successful and make your way successful? Because God had a, because God promised he would. Because he told Abraham he would bless his children. So he's on the hook for it. That's why you're getting all this wonderful stuff. Oh, it's you? Yeah, I don't think so. By the way, I have to be very clear. It doesn't mean, it's not trying to belittle our efforts. Not trying to say we don't play a role in it. Not trying to make us feel like garn- like nothing and, and, and you know, feel bad about, there's no, no negativity here. Very simple idea. Very, very simple idea. The idea here is Moses is telling the people, you're going to go into Israel and please God, you'll be incredibly successful and you'll be rich and you'll be, you know, have everything that you need physically and just everything is going to be amazing. Don't forget about Hashem. That's it. There's no, nothing negative here. Don't forget about God. God is the one that is giving you the strength to enable all of this. So don't forget about Hashem. That's it. Don't let your ego get carried away. Don't think that it's all you and there's no God. That would be a mistake. That would be a profound mistake. Why would that be a mistake? Verse 19. I mean, the narrative flows very, very um, uh, intuitively. Verse 8, verse 19. And it will be. If you forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship them and prostrate yourself before them, uh, Moses tells the people, if you forget Hashem, then I bear witness against you this day that you will surely perish. It won't end well. Moses says, trust me, I guarantee it, and, and, and I can promise, says Moses, if you remain aware and conscious of God, if you remain dedicated and focused and aware of Hashem, then you have nothing to worry about. The moment you make it about you, the moment you forget about God, say, God, we don't need you, we got this. Avoid toiveidun. You will perish, you will perish. A double expression in the Hebrew, verse 19. Avod toiveidun. You will surely be lost. Avod, aveda means lost. You'll be lost. The translation here is perish. It's not going to be good. Verse 20, as the nations that the Lord destroys before you, so will you perish since you will not obey the Lord your God. If you choose to drop God like a hot potato to discard God because everything's going well, so who needs God, right? If that's the perspective, it's not going to end well. Your fate is going to end up like all the nations that are being driven out in front of you. Like all those nations right now that turned away from God and God said, all right, you're done. Let me put the Jewish people, let me install the Jewish people in the land. That's going to be your fate if you go down that path. 
This is Moses speaking to the people. And this is out of love. This is out of love and concern and compassion, but mostly out of love. He loves the people. He wants the best for them. And he says, you know what the best is? Remember where the blessings come from. Remember where the blessings are really emanating from. They're not coming from you. They're coming through you. And through your efforts, they're coming from Hashem. They're coming from the Abishah. They're coming from the, from the Almighty God. That's it. Um, Nassen slipped me a piece of paper with the seven... Uh, the seven... Oh, yeah. Shiva Saminim. We have wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. So here, wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives... And dates. Literally, literally in the chat. Donna wrote in the chat literally the same list that I have right here. Handwritten from my son. Chita sa'ira gefen te'ena rimen zayis and tamar. Wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranate, olives, dates. Boom. Right? Date honey. That's the date. So what's not here? A figs are here. It says figs. Right here. Straight up in the, uh, in the chat from the verse. Good. All right, we got, see, we have our, our I team investigating. I team? J team. Or Jew team. The J team. The J team. Nothing like that J team reference. All right, good. Nassim was the chef on Sunday, right? Nassim was the chef. Yeah, he was one of the chefs. He, he was one of the assembly, the assemblymen. He was, in a, he was uh, an assemblyman. All right, now take a look. Okay, no. So let's, 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 add, before we get to chapter 9 of Deuteronomy, which is another Shema Yisrael, Hero Israel, before we do that, I just want to emphasize what we just read. And it's, I, I don't think there's much commentary, that I, much other commentary other than the core idea. The core idea here is that there's a risk. There's a risk in success. And the risk in success is you'll be so successful, you'll forget about Hashem. You'll say, who needs God? I'm so successful, right? I got plenty of money. I got plenty of possessions. Everything's working out well. Who needs God? Okay, that's a mistake. Moses says, that's a mistake. Maybe not today. Maybe not tomorrow. It's going to be a mistake. Longevity, Jewish longevity, you're not going to last in the land if that becomes the perspective. What needs to be the perspective is that when we are successful, we are humbled by the success. We are awed by the blessings that God has given us and overjoyed by our fortune at being held in such closeness with God that we should turn to God and say, thank you, Hashem, for the blessings. Acknowledge the source, gratitude to the source, right? Prayers and blessings. It's good for the ego. I mean, it's good to keep the ego in check. And it's good for the truth. It's good for our relation with Hashem. It's really not about God's ego. God is going to get offended if you don't acknowledge where it really comes from. It's not, about, it's not about God's ego. God doesn't have an ego. The issue is us being aligned with truth or with falsehood. That's the, that's the core question. Are we aligned with truth or are we aligned with a narrative that is simply false? That we are self-made individuals is a false narrative. That doesn't mean we don't work hard. doesn't mean we don't have great ideas. It doesn't mean we, don't, we didn't have a lot of perseverance to, su to succeed. All of that is true. But what's not true is self-made. Show me a person who is literally self-made, and that will be the first one. There is no human being 
who is self-made on any level, biologically or otherwise. It's impossible. It's, it's literally by definition impossible. So this whole self-made business, it's a nice slogan. L- listen, there's no question that you and I need to work hard and Torah, Judaism encourages us to work hard and to succeed. But we have to know where the blessing comes from. And this is what Moses is trying to drill literally, I mean, figuratively, drill into the mind, to the brains of the Jewish people. And it's a message we still need to hear today. Okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready to jump into the next chapter. Chapter 8, Deuteronomy. No, chapter 9, Deuteronomy, right here. Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. Today you are crossing the Jordan. Wow. Today you're crossing the Jordan. Now, today is today or today is soon? Because, is it today? Was this the last day? Maybe. Or maybe he means, there's no Rashi on it. Maybe he meant that today, by the way, there's no Rashi on any of what we read because it's so straightforward, right? All the stuff that we read before, there's only one Rashi, which is in this verse, which we'll get to in a second. Um, So Moses tells the people, today you are crossing the Jordan. I, I'm curious, actually. Nassin, do you mind bringing me a Makraskadalis Dvarim? Okay, I have my backup. Not a backup. No, no, not backup crew. No, Nassin is not back. It's right behind the Rebbe's picture. It's not a backup. No, not backup crew at all. He's like primary crew. First mate. Oh. No, this is backup um, texts. All right, here we go. Texts are backup. Here we go. This is the, the big data. Makraskadalis. We're going to get um, some Akev action. And this is chapter 9. Where am I here? Where am I? Chapter 9. No. Hayom. Here we go. Today. Is it today or is it not today? This is the question. Okay, I don't see, interesting, I don't see the commentaries on it. It might have been today. Oh, here we go. Evan Ezra. Ata over hayom. Bizman hazeh. Oi time achoshev ki ata over hayom. Bizman hazeh. Bizman hazeh means at this time, which could mean either literally this time or like in this time period you are going to cross. Okay, I don't have clarity on it. If it's like literally today they were going in or not. I don't think it's literally today because there's more that Moses tells the people. All right, either way. Hero Israel, verse uh, 1, chapter 9. Hey, Mark. Hero Israel, today you are crossing over the Jordan to come in to, to come in to possess nations greater and stronger than you. Great cities fortified up to the heavens. Rashi says, greater and stronger than you. You are strong. But they're stronger. So that's your challenge. Your challenge is you're going to face opposition that is greater and stronger. Great cities fortified. Verse number two, a tall, a great and tall people. You're encountering these great and tall people, the children of the Anakim. Giants. Whom, yeah, the giants whom you know, whom you know and of whom you have heard said, who can stand against the children of Anak? Right, these are giants. It's crazy. You shall know this day, says Moses, notwithstanding the fact that you're facing a formidable enemy, notwithstanding the fact that you're facing giants. 
You should know this day, says Moses, that it is that it is the Lord your God who passes over before you as a consuming fire. Hashem is going in front of you. He will destroy them and He will subdue them before you. And you shall drive them out and destroy them quickly as the Lord spoke to you. Again, countless times in this book, Moses reiterates this idea. They're stronger. They're more numerous. They're mightier. They're fortified. They're giants. Nothing to worry about. God is with you. When God is with you, you have nothing to worry about. Let's continue into today's reading, reading number three. Deuteronomy chapter nine. Do not say to yourself, when the Lord your God has repelled them before you, saying, again, ego, don't, if there's one theme for today's readings, it's going to be ego, the dangers of ego. Once again, we talked about ego before, about, you know, look what I've, look what I've done. Here we go. This is another form of ego. When you go into the land and you're victorious over the nations, don't say, ah, Look at me. Because of my righteousness, the Lord has brought me to possess this land. And that because of the wickedness of these nations, the Lord drives them out from before you. Don't put yourself on a pedestal and say, Ah, look, I'm such a great guy and they're, such, and they're so evil. That's why God drove them out from before me. Moses says, Nope. Not because of your righteousness or because of the honesty of your heart do you come to possess their land but because of the wickedness of these nations. The Lord your God drives them out from before you, and in order to establish a matter that the Lord swore to your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't let your ego take hold of you, even if it sounds like it's holy ego. Let me explain what I mean by holy ego. I said, because the person might say, because of my righteousness. No, 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 no. I'm not saying ego with money or with fame or with power. No, no, no. I'm saying... Ego, spiritual ego, like Jewish ego. Look, I've done all these, I've studied so much Torah, I've done all these mitzvot, look at me, I've done so much good things, and that's why the blessings are coming my way. That's why God is giving me the land and letting me be successful. It's because of all the things that I've done spiritually. And Moses says, that's still a problem. It's still a problem because you're attributing it to yourself. Spiritual ego is still ego. Let me tell you a story. One of the rabbis once said to his child, to his son, he said, you should know, the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, doesn't always dress up like a gangster. I'm paraphrasing. It can also dress up like a chassid, wearing a shrimal. You know what a shrimal is? The fur hat, the chassidic hat, and wearing a long coat dressed up in Shabbos gear. Your evil inclination could come at you dressed as a pious individual, but it's still the evil inclination. And this is what I'm talking about. This is holy ego, Batman. I'm sorry, this is, un, this is ego couched in holiness that is still ego and still a problem. Batman. Why is it a problem? Because it's still ego. Person says, look at what I've done. Patting on the back, that's the shoulder, whatever. Right? Look at what I've done. Look how much I've studied. Look how much, look how much Torah I've learned. Look how many mitzvot I've done. Look how many people I've helped. And because of that, all the blessings are happening. It's still about you. It's still about the person saying, look, I've accomplished it on my own. So we had a self-made man or a self-made woman, self-made person in the last reading, a few moments ago, when it comes to material success. And now we're talking about spiritually saying, look, 
I've, I've done all these things. It's still a problem. Recognize that it's coming from Hashem's promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Hashem's love, etc. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't study Torah or do mitzvot. It's not what I mean. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't do these things or that if we do these things, the reward won't happen. It will happen. But it's about ego. That's the simple question. How arrogant do we become? Ray. Okay, so suppose you um, visit someone that no one's visiting, that he got back from a facility, and and suppose you go and you're trying to encourage more people to come. Yes. She needs people. So you can't say, so I visited Mr. So-and-so, and it would be nice if you could do that. hundred percent. hundred percent you should say that and encourage them. But here's how you do it. You say, Mr. and Mrs. So-and-so, it's so important that they have visitors. It's such a beautiful mitzvah. Um, I've done it. Um, I encourage you to do it as well. This is Moses telling the people, don't say, ah, look at what I've done. I'm a, I'm a tzaddik. What you're talking about is saying there's a need and recruiting for a need. That's righteous. To say, look at me, is ego. It's arrogant. Two different things. So one thing is to say, here's a need. Join me. I've done this, whatever. The other thing is to say, the other thing is to put yourself on a pedestal. I'm not saying you, but one would put themselves on a pedestal and say, look at me, make it all about themselves. It's not about, it's not about the person. It's about the mitzvah. It's about, it's about, it's about the right thing. And, and, and the way you phrased it is completely the right way. In other words, it's completely about the, about the, right, about the right thing. So when we do that, we're 100% kosher. Okay, let's jump back in. Um, okay, you shall know that. Uh, hold on, verse 6. You shall know that not because of your righteousness the Lord your God gives you this good land to possess it. And Moses comes in for a little, little criticism, a little correction right here. For you are a stiff-necked people, Right? It's not because you guys are the greatest tzaddikim. You guys are actually a bit, you know, stubborn. Remember, and now he goes into that angle. Let's, okay, so let me just explain what's going on. Um, in order to ensure that the Jewish people, that the people he's speaking to, don't let their ego get them carried away. They get carried away with their own ego. So he reminds them of what they've done that hasn't been so righteous, so that they should never make that mistake. Remember, do not forget how you angered the Lord your God in the desert. From the day that you went out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place, you have been rebelling against the Lord. Non-stop, constantly. Well, I'm adding those words. But from the day up until now, there's been consistent challenge. At Horeb, Mount Sinai, you angered the Lord, and the Lord was incensed with you to destroy you. I'm assuming, not assuming, that is a reference to the sin of the golden calf that happened at the foot of Mount Sinai, Right? Even at Mount Sinai, at the height of spirituality, guess what? Y'all angered God. Verse 9, Moses explains. Everyone's like, what? At, at Sinai, we angered God? When I ascended the mountain to receive the stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant which the Lord made for you, I remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. I neither ate bread nor drank water. And the Lord gave me two stone tablets inscribed by the finger of God, and on them was inscribed according to all the words that the Lord spoke with you on the mountain from the midst of the fire on the day of the assembly. Moses is reminding them what happened. We were at Mount Sinai. I went up 
40 days, 40 nights, I received tablets inscribed by God, the handwriting of God, what was on the inscription, the same words that God communicated at Sinai, i.e., the Ten Commandments. Verse 11, And it came to pass at the end of 40 days and 40 nights that the Lord gave me the two stone tablets, the tablets of the covenant, and the Lord said to me, Arise and descend. Get up and go down quickly from here. For your people whom you have brought out of Egypt have become corrupt. They have quickly deviated from the way which I have commanded them. They have made for themselves a molten image. We call this the golden calf. And the Lord spoke to me further saying, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. And that word is what Moses used when he began this conversation saying that you are a stiff-necked people, lest you believe that is because of your righteousness, that you guys are perfect tzaddikim, which is why God led you to this land, you should know it's been a little bit more complicated than that. The truth is a little bit more complicated than that very rose-tinted rose image that you might have. Remember Sinai? I was up on the mountain. I got the tablets inscribed by God, and then God tells me you need to go down because they went off the rails and are now worshiping a golden calf. And God said, this people is a stiff-necked people. They're so stubborn. And God said further to me, said Moses, says Moses at the end of the 40 years, recalling what happened 40 years prior, God said to me, leave me alone and I will destroy them and obliterate their name from beneath the heavens. That's how incensed God was. And I will make you, Moses, into a nation mightier and more numerous than they. That was my offer. Moses is telling this to the people 40 years later. This is where it was at in the relationship. Y'all messed up. God was angry. He promised me to build me into a new nation. So I turned down. The narrative continues. Again, this is Moses repeating the story. So I turned and came down from the mountain, and the mountain was burning with fire, and the two tablets of the covenant were on my two hands. And I saw on my two hands, not in my two hands, on my two hands. As we know, the tablets carried themselves. And I saw, and behold, you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had made yourselves a molten calf, a golden calf. You had deviated quickly from the way which the Lord had commanded you. Forty short days later, you were worshiping an idol. So I grasped the two tablets because, remember, they were floating on their own. They carried themselves. So now I held on to them and cast them out of my hands and shattered them before your eyes. And I fell down before the Lord as before 40 days and 40 nights, a second set of 40 days and 40 nights. This time to beg for forgiveness for the people. I neither ate bread nor drank water because of all your sins you had committed by doing evil in the eyes of the Lord to anger him. For I was frightened of the wrath and the fury that the Lord was angry with you to destroy you. And the Lord hearkened to me also at that time. And with Aaron, the Lord was very furious to destroy him. So I, I prayed also for Aaron at that time. And I took your sin the calf which you had made, and I burned it with fire. The golden calf was burnt with fire, and I crushed it, grinding it well until it was fine dust, and I cast its dust into the brook that descends from the mountain from Mount Sinai. So that summarizes, in short, what happened with the sin of the golden calf 40 years prior. Moses says, you're telling me 
Your ego is going to convince you that it's because of my right, my meaning the Jewish people's righteousness that God brought me to this land. We deserved it. We earned it. Look how righteous we've been. Moses says, are you kidding me? Now, you might think, what, he's being cruel? He's being mean? He's beating up the people? No. Remember the context. The context is, what do you do when, when your ego gets the better of you? How do you counteract your ego? What do you do? So, as it says in, uh, as it says in Tanya. A, a log that cannot catch on fire because it's too thick, it's too full of itself, so it won't catch on fire. You know what you do with a big log that you're trying to light on fire? You cut it, you chop it, you splinter it. The same thing is a body that is so coarse, we would say in Yiddish, grub, so coarse and egotistical that the soul's fire is not catching on to the body. You know what you do? You break it down a little bit. Not physically, but you break it down. You break it down. A little introspection. Moses says a little introspection goes a long way to cutting down the ego, opening one's heart, and being a little bit more sensitive spiritually. Instead of being, look at me, look what I've done. I got this. I earned this. A little humility. A little self-awareness. A little self, uh, a little self-awareness goes a long way. And what's the self-awareness? Do you remember what happened after Sinai? This is for, the, for, for those people, right? Remember what happened after Sinai? What y'all did? Worshipping a golden calf. And you think that's it? And at te- verse 22, and at Tavera, and at Massa, and at Kirotataiva, all these places. You also provoked the Lord to anger. And when the Lord sent you from Kadesh Barnea, saying, go up and possess the land I've given you, you defied the word of the Lord your God, and you did not believe him. That was the sin of the spies. Nor did you obey him. How many examples do we need to recognize our shortcomings? So what's the point? To make us depressed? No. To make us aware that we're human, we're not perfect, and the blessings that we get from God are out of divine kindness, and not, I deserved it. You know what happens when there's an expectation? There's no gratitude and there's no happiness. And this is not something that's only a Jewish concept. This is something that modern psychology will tell you. The the wisdom of positive psychology, right? The, the, The genre of happiness analysis will tell you that when there are expectations, there is no happiness. Expectations automatically eliminate happiness. There was a comedian who said a few years ago, he was on a flight cross country. Oh, he was, uh, he was joking how, you know, you're in the airport and they delay the flight. You know, you're in New York going to LA, they delay the flight for an hour. Everyone's up in arms. Are you kidding me? This is crazy. It's like, Hello. Not that long ago, you had to go by wagon, <laughs> right? You wanted to get across the country, you probably wouldn't end up there. If there was a caravan of people, the people that ended up on the West Coast were not the same people that started, right? Those people died out somewhere along the way, either their kids or other people that joined, so you probably wouldn't even make it there. 
And so now you're able to zoom across the country in a few hours, relatively few hours, and you're delayed by an hour or two, and it's like the worst. Why is it the worst? Expectations. I expect to get there a certain time. He told another story. He's on a flight. This is when Wi-Fi was a new thing. They announced in the flight, Wi-Fi. They're, they're piloting, all puns intended, they're piloting Wi-Fi on the, on the, on the, air, on the aircraft. This is before it's, uh, it, it became you know, commonplace. So everyone's excited. Wow, amazing. About an hour into the flight, they make an announcement saying, oh, it's not working. We're shutting that, down the Wi-Fi. He's like, the person next to me says, oh, this is ridiculous. It's crazy. Terrible, right? It's ridiculous. He's like, you didn't even know this existed an hour ago. Like, you had no idea that this existed, that this was possible. And now you have it, and now you have it, and now, you're, you, now you expect it to the point that if it goes away, now you're upset. So here's the deal. This is a truth in human psychology. This is discussed in positive psychology research. This is discussed in Jewish literature and Chabad literature. I forget who, I think it was the previous Rebbe, or one of the previous Rebbe's who said something along these lines. When you expect something, when you have expectations, bye-bye happiness. Because either way, you're not going to be happy. If you get it, well, of course. What? I was not supposed to get it. Right? When, when it's an expectation. So then you get it. So then what? Absolutely, of course. Are you happy about it? No. It's just your expectation. And if you don't get it, now you're very upset. So what's the solution? Where does the expectation come from? Ego. I deserve this. I deserve this. Okay? So if it happens, I deserved it. No happiness there. Doesn't happen. How dare you? Either way, it's a very grumpy life. You with me on this? We do it to ourselves. We literally do it to ourselves. We take happiness, all shots of happiness, and we crumple it into a ball, toss it. Why? Ego expectations. I deserve it. How dare you? Human beings love being indignant, but you know what that is? It's not being happy. So we can have one of two things. We can have happiness or expectations, but they're not compatible. So, and, and please don't misconstrue when I say expectations. I don't mean to have no expectations in life and no responsibilities in life and no one should be responsible to us. Let, let's, let's keep the conversation very tightly where it is. We're talking about expectations of blessings. Right? Of if we approach, if our approach is humility, humility unto God, vulnerability, God, you run the show. God, please give me what I need. You get, you get what you need. Thank you. It's amazing. Baruch Hashem. You don't get it? Okay, you don't get it. Do I have an expectation? Does God owe me anything? So Moses says, you're going to think that God owes this to you, right? Because look, you're so righteous. Of course you got into the land. You deserve it. Moses says, that's dangerous. First of all, it's not true. Second of all, it's dangerous. It's dangerous on many different levels. I've been focusing on the happiness angle because I think that speaks to us, to you and I. We all want to be happy. But I don't know if that's what Moses' intention was, but either way it works. Either way, it fits into the paradigm that he's creating. He says, you expectations? You deserve to go into the land? Deserved? Remember what happened by the golden calf? You were this close to being eliminated. You deserve the land? 
You deserve, based on your actions, to not be here. The fact that you're still here and going into the land, that should thrill you and amaze you and inspire you to sing God's praises for all time. And that should lift up your spirits. And if it doesn't, it's because your ego is getting in the way. So, let's do a reality check. Remember Sinai? Okay. Remember Tavera? Remember Masa? Remember Kivra Tataiva? Remember Kadesh Barnea? Remember all these places? Okay. Take it easy. Take it easy with the ego. This is something that Moses did with the people. This is not something that is recommended that anyone, anyone else do to anyone else. This is an internal, in Kabbalah and Chassidus, this is an internal calculus. It's a cheshbon hanefesh. It's an introspective look at oneself. Saying, where am I? Who am I? What am I? What have I done? What haven't I done? What do I deserve? What, I, what don't I deserve? And the goal is not to make ourselves depressed, God forbid, but to create an honest self-awareness of our true standing and the incredible blessings that we get from Hashem that are coming out of Hashem's kindness. And that should make every breath that much sweeter, every step we take that much more joyous, right? Every moment of life could be lived with such a sense of high definition, right? Just, just sense of like HD, just gratitude if we do away with our expectations. It's a powerful idea. I hope it's coming across uh, coherently. Let's show. Yes. You know, so, you know, it's still hard. Uh, it's a little challenging to kind of put everything in neutral perspective. So we're the chosen people, but it means we were given special responsibility, but it's unconditional love but nothing about us in particular. And then God sometimes has fits and starts kind of with Noah, got rid of everything. And now if it wasn't for Moses, we would. So what, I, you know, it's confusing. <laughs> it's confusing. Yeah, it's confusing. So unconditional love, so unconditional love. So that's it. So here's the thing. You and I can't demand, it's not, it's not fair to demand unconditional love, right? Unconditional love c- comes from the lover. So for us to say, God, we messed up, we did all this, but you have to love us unconditionally. No, 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 I thought it was no, God that, oh. No, 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 I'm not saying that you're saying that. I'm just saying for, from our perspective. It's not fair to do that. It's not fair to say, I'm going to do whatever I want, and then unconditional love. It's not, it's not, it's not fair. Now, on God's side, if God chooses unconditional love, that's, that's God's cheshman, it's God's calculation. But what's our calculation? That we don't deserve it, right? That we were, vul- like, like we... So the point, the message here is not about God, it's about us. It's about our ego. And the fact that we have all these blessings should absolutely blow our mind and allow us to feel that unconditional love. The unconditional love is manifest in, 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 in the fact that even after the golden calf, God still took us to the land. That is the unconditional love. You ask about Noah, that was according to Kabbalah, which we're going deeper now, so we're we're, we're on the same level of interpretation. That was a cleansing. It wasn't a punishment. It was a cleansing, which we've discussed you know, in, in previous classes. So that needs to be looked at through a completely different lens than we do typically. So if the question is, you know, do we see God's unconditional love? The answer is yes. If the question is, how do we relate to that with gratitude? 
and humility. And that's what really Moses is trying to instill within us. A sense of recognize how lucky you are that God has that unconditional love for you. You didn't earn the unconditional love. God has that unconditional love by choice on his part. But you, you guys, come on, just be honest. And again, the point is not to make us depressed or to break us or to whatever it is. The point is, as an internal an internal analysis, an internal reckoning, if, we, if we're really honest with ourselves, we realize that we are blessed, we are lucky beyond, beyond measure. Think about it. How often do we fall into states of unhappiness because we feel like, what blessings do we have in life? What blessings? Number one, we're alive. No, 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 no. But that's not a blessing. Okay. I guess we just took that for granted, didn't we? Right? The fact that we're not jumping for joy about the fact that we're alive means that we took it for granted. That's a choice. That's a choice. That's a detrimental choice. That hurts. It's self-harm. It's a self-harming choice to downplay that. I think I've told you I'm working on a book of, of, uh, of advice, life advice, from the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And it's, sorry? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a book, and the, um, the book basically takes 11 or 12 core ideas and shows how the Rebbe used them into guidance on a, just an incredibly wide array of, of, of applications. People that, the Rebbe got more letters sent to him than the President of the United States. The Rebbe had, I mean, literally thousands of letters of correspondence each and every week. So the Rebbe got questions running the entire spectrum of the human experience. Health-related questions, family-related questions, business-related questions, spiritual questions, anything and everything you can imagine was, was asked. And I will tell you, there are some letters, I'm not going to pull them up right now, where the core of it is, I feel like I do want to pull it up now. Um, where what the Rebbe says is, how can how can you say second? I'm trying to look. Uh, okay. All right, I can't, I can't look it up right now. It's going to take me too much time. Um, but you can see, I'm like, well, you can't see, but on my screen, I'm trying to search for some stuff. Um, the, the upshot of the letter is somebody writes the Rebbe, and it's happened more than one time. Somebody writes saying, my, my life is terrible, this thing, that thing, the other thing. It's, my life is terrible. And the Rebbe says, you're not being honest. You're not being honest. Does it mean that everything is good? No. But your life is terrible. You've never, somebody writes, never had a good day in my life. Never had a blessing in my life. At, the, at, at a time that the guy, the person is alive, right? They have a spouse. They have children. They have a roof over their heads. Never had anything good in my life. But we fall in the same trap. That's the problem. We fall in the same trap. And it comes down to one thing. Expectation. We take it for granted that we're alive, that we have this blessing or that blessing. 
And so it ceases to be sensed as a blessing. It's obviously, but look at what I don't have. My life is terrible. That's where we're at. And that hurts us. Does it hurt God? I don't know if we can hurt God. It hurts us. It hurts us. It takes, it takes away from our happiness. How can we be happy if, if everything that we have is expected and everything that we don't have is terrible that we don't have it? That's the, life, that's the lives that we live. You can blame it on the media. Uh, not the media. You can blame it on, on Madison Avenue. You can blame it on, on, sure, yeah. Creates a culture. We live in a society and a culture where what you have is whatever and what you don't have is what you need. Okay, so there you go. But we bought into it. No one can force you and I to buy into that worldview. No one can force us. They can try to spin that narrative, but we should have the strength to say, no, I reject that. I reject that narrative. Mark, you texted me a letter? I think that's when you're talking about. Let's see. Let me check my text. Ah, there we go. Wrestling with faith. Mm, a little bit different. Not the one, sorry. It's powerful, though. This is powerful. Yeah. That's a powerful letter that, you're, that you have here. That's a beautiful letter. Wow, and it's about El, which is coming up. Psh. Powerful letter, Mark. Okay, but that's not the letter I was, I was thinking of. It's, it's even stronger, and like, it's... <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? It's, it's, our, it's our own choosing. It's the hell of our own choosing. We're putting ourselves in Gehenna. We're putting ourselves in, in the ringer. My life is terrible. Oh, I can't. We're, we're all depressed. Not all, but I'm saying we're depressed, unhappy. Life stinks. Life is terrible. Why? Because we don't have something or other. Okay? What about the stuff that we have? Why? Well, I don't, I don't, I'm not thinking about that. Okay? That's a choice. It's a choice. I choose not to think about the blessings that I have and only think about the blessings that I don't have. And then I put myself in a miserable state. So, so, there, so that's it. So that's, that's where we're at. Um, let's see if I can find it. When is your book coming out? The book is hopefully coming out in November. The Rebbe have a team of people that would respond to the letters? Yes, yes, absolutely. It's not, not so possible otherwise. Yeah, they knew how he felt. I mean, he they knew his thinking, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna explain. I'll explain the process in a second. Yeah, give me a second. I was thinking nowadays with email that would be crazy. That would be overwhelming. <laughs> All right, let me. Oh wow, it's really late. Um, I cannot find it. I'm like, um, okay. For whatever reason, I cannot find it. But here's the point. Um. Very quickly, how the Rebbe would answer letters. The Rebbe would, would open up every piece of mail himself. 
And when they want, the secretaries wanted to open up the letters for him, he said no. And when they even bought him a letter opener, an electronic, electric letter opener, the Rebbe said no. And the Rebbe explained, told one of his secretaries why. He said, because some of these tears, some of these letters are sealed with the tears of those who wrote the letters. And a, and a, a letter opener won't be able to, 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 to sense the tears. The Rebbe opened up every piece of mail himself. And the Rebbe would dictate the answer. I, and I heard this directly from one of the secretaries that, were involved in, that was involved in this process. The Rebbe, would read, he, the Rebbe was a, a speed reader. You know, he was able to take a letter and he would put his hand down the page, down the page, down the page, down the page, like that. Read like that. Within a few moments, he had read the letter. He, he um, would dict- start dictating a response to his secretary while starting to read the next letter. There were, th- there were th- multiple secretaries who were involved in actually composing the letters. There was one in English, one in Hebrew, and one in Yiddish for the various um, languages that came in. The Rebbe would look over every letter before it went out to make sure that it was what he meant, would adjust it, make corrections, and if it was right, he would sign it. And that's how it worked. It was an incredible operation. It took up many, many, many hours, as you can imagine. Um, okay, very quickly, because we are late. We're always late, but we're later, we're later than usual even. So what I want to do here is jump into the reading. Let's see if we can finish this. Um, yeah, we're almost done. So basically, you have been, I think we're up to here, 24. You've been rebelling against the Lord since the day I became acquainted with you. Since the day I met you, right? So I fell down before the Lord the 40 days. Did I do this already? I don't know. So I fell down before the Lord the 40 days and the 40 nights that I had fallen down because the Lord had said to destroy you. And I prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord God, do not destroy your people and your inheritance, which you have redeemed in your greatness and which you have brought out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Do not destroy your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Do not turn the stubbornness of this people, again, stubbornness, the third time it's in this reading, to their wickedness or to their sin, lest the people of the land from which you brought us out will say, because of the Lord's inability to bring them to the land about which he spoke to them, and because of his hatred toward them, he has brought them out to slay them in the desert. But they are your people and your inheritance, which you brought out with, a great, with great strength and with your outstretched arm. Moses negotiates with God by praising the people. And to the people, he says, come on, guys, get your act together. All right, a tale of two narratives or a tale of two tales. I know I went through those last few verses quickly. Maybe we'll pick it up again and just do those again tomorrow. I wanted to just finish a reading because we were so close to the end. But here's the takeaway. Very short takeaway, then I'm going to sign off. Short takeaway is, look, the dangers of ego. Whether it's with success and believing that we accomplished all this ourselves. Look, we are rich and famous and powerful and mighty. And look, we did this all ourselves. Dangerous. Remember, Hashem's blessings got you there. Whether it's spiritual success. We inherited the land because of our righteousness, our spiritual, our spiritual virtue. Either way, it's dangerous. It's not true, and it's dangerous. Because the moment ego gets, gets a hold, the moment everything goes in a negative way. It's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for others. Ego destroys relationships. I didn't even speak about that today. Ego destroys relationships. Even spiritual ego. I'm so righteous, and they're not. You ever hear somebody say that? Or 
that comes from someone, even if they don't say it? Yeah. Ah, look at me. I'm doing this, that. And where are they? Destroys relationships. Right? Ego is unhealthy, whether it's physical driven, physically driven or spiritually driven. Got to get rid of ego and be humble. Gratitude. Baruch Hashem, thank God I've been blessed with these physical blessings. Thank God I've been blessed with spiritual abilities and insight. An opportunity that maybe somebody else didn't have. Thank God, Baruch Hashem, I've been blessed with opportunities and abilities. And yes, I've stepped up, yes. But I could only have done that with Hashem's blessings. That keeps us grounded. It keeps us humble. It keeps us really spiritually connected, connected with others, connected with our, with our source. And it leads to happiness. All right, I, I, there's, a lot, there's a lot more to talk about. We could go for hours on this, to be honest. But now is the time to uh, officially close it out. So I want to thank you all for joining. I want to express my gratitude. I know that it's the middle of the day, and I know there's a lot of things to do, but I want to express my gratitude for uh, you guys being here each and every day to study Torah together, and hopefully to get inspired to, to do more good things in a humble way, in a, in a happy way, and in a beautiful way. All right, thank you for joining. Donna, Sarah, Sandrine, Ray, Mark, Olia, it's great to see you all. Tonight, we, we don't have class. I'll be working on the book. Tomorrow night is Torah studies. Tomorrow is DPP again. And the rest of the week is as, uh, as, is as usual. All right, great to see you. As a reminder, if you haven't yet RSVP'd, um, join us Sunday, this Sunday, 5 p.m. at Chabad, um, behind the building for a grand summer southern barbecue. It's going to be a lot of fun. Join. It's open to everyone, open to the community. So join and be a part of the fun and the magic. All right. We'll see you guys soon. Take it care. such a great class. Thank you. Thank Rabbi. you. Thank you, Sarah. Great to see you. Take care, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye.